Now follow as I read this portion of 1 Corinthians 15. You know that this is the second edition in this series that we're going through in 1 Corinthians 15, the chapter on the resurrection. I started it two weeks ago, and I told you then that one of my purposes was to, to, so that you and I could have the emphasis of resurrection prior to the day of Easter, so that on Easter Sunday morning, our guests can hear something that they haven't heard before. So you and I are deriving our Easter messages now, and then Easter Sunday morning things will be a little bit different, at least I hope. But folks, um, this paragraph that I'm about to read to you is, is a doozy. Um, you know that the old adage, fools rush in where angels fear to tread? Well, uh, you, you say, well, you're just saying that because you want to be dramatic. Well, I'll tell you what. You pay attention while I read this. It is, um, there's a whole lot of stuff here. I didn't say that my sermon was a doozy. But I am saying the text is a doozy. So let me read it to you, and then we'll get on with it and see what you think. It reads like this. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end. Then when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and, every, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his, his feet. The last enemy, enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, but when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of this God, this word, this endures forever. Folks, this, this paragraph is of immense importance for the people of God for lots of reasons. There is theological content in here that... Guys, we just don't have time to get into it. It's, that theological that I'm referring to is in verses 21 and 22, which has to do with the federal headship of Adam and Christ. Federal headship is very important, but we just don't have time to... We, we, we need to get into it another time, um, but now is not the right time, I don't think. Um, but, but one of the reasons that I think Another reason that this paragraph is so important is because it answers some questions that tend to trouble God's people. 
they're, they're trying to sort these things out, particularly when a funeral rolls around, and they're thinking, well, some of that is addressed in this paragraph. Consequently, um, it is loaded. It is loaded with theological import and also pastoral um, advice, I guess you'd call it. So keep that in mind as we wander through a very meaty passage. Guys, um, it opens in verse 20, as you can tell, with an affirmation. Verse 20. He simply says, but if Christ, uh, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul is in the midst of a, a, an argument, a battle that he, um, where he is arguing the fact of the resurrection. In the mind of the apostle Paul, that debate is over. He simply states, uh, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He, he's suggesting that his first 19 verses have answered all of your objections. Case closed. Let's move on. Um, from there, <laughs> Paul kind of changes hats. He puts on the hat of a prophet um, in a way that no other Old Testament prophet has ever spoken. His prophetic vision in this paragraph is so far-reaching that it takes us to the end. Look at verse 24. Then comes the end. Gang, in the book of Revelation, um, which is this futuristic apocalypse, um, the apostle John uh, describes the point of final victory of Christ on the earth. Paul goes beyond that. There's a sense in which this is further out than is the book of Revelation. And consequently, there's all sorts of issues that arise. Um, so I have to choose which ones I'm, I'm going to try to address. And that federal headship thing, which is really important, we don't have time. Trust me, that's kind of a, a Saturday course just um, on federal headship. But there are two things that I do want to draw your attention to. First of all, here's the first issue that I think is in the text. And it's this use of the word first fruits. Gang, um, first fruits was a term. I mean, by the way, you'll notice it's mentioned twice, uh, verse 20 and verse 23. Um, it was a term that was used in agriculture. It was the, <laughs> the first of the fruits. That is, uh, it was the first orange. It was the first banana. It was the first stalk of wheat. And so they would have a celebration concerning the first fruits as a sample and as an indicator of the quality and of the rest of the crop that was to be had in the coming days. That's how it was used in agriculture. It's not being used like that here. It is Christ who is considered the first fruits. 
Um, it says it very clearly uh, in verse 23. Christ, the first fruits. Now, so if Christ is the first fruit in terms of his resurrection, what does that say to you? That says, oh, there's going to be some more. Yeah. There's going to be some more. Some more resurrections. Ours. That means that we're second fruits. I just made that term up. Um, I, 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 I'm just trying to give you an idea. The, 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 the thought in the apostle's mind is that Christ is presented as the first fruits to encourage the rest of us that there are other resurrections coming, including our own. So, folks, um, Christ resurrects, communicating there's going to be more, and you and I are going to comprise this harvest, this vast harvest of a bunch of other resurrections. You old second fruits, you. That's what we are. We're second fruits. Being promised of that in the fact that Christ is called first fruit. Now, but notice, that's big. But there's more. More included in this harvest. First, the destruction of death completely. Verse 26. And there's more. The subduing and the abolishing of all those forces, those enemies who oppose and war against the kingdom of God. And then that brings us to verse 28. And folks, I, I'm, I'm just here to tell you, this is a thought in verse 28 that the Christian church does not think very much. We don't think this thought very much. Did you see it? Did you see what was said in verse 28? Okay, let, let me, let me uh, let's look at it real quick. Um, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. Now, that's kind of confusing because of the, um, uh, the lack of clarity in the pronouns. Let me go through it. Um, when all things are subjected to him, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him. God the Father, first person of the Trinity, who puts all things in subjection under him, Christ Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, so that God may be all in all. First person of the Trinity. You see, folks, that's not a thought that the Christian church thinks very much. Did you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that redemption is theocentric? Um, the gospel is Christocentric, yes, but redemption is theocentric. That is, as is stated very clearly in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave, 
Do you see that, ladies and gentlemen? God loved and gave. Folks, God doesn't love me because Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me because God loved me. God loved me and thus sent his son. So, so the son is carrying out this plan of redemption designed by the father. And then when it's all said and done, the son stands before the father and says, here it is. Bring it back. Bring it back to you. So that God may be all in all. Did you know that? Folks, um, Jesus Christ and the Father are one and equals. That's Trinitarian theology. And yet, Jesus Christ is functionally subordinate and will be for all eternity. God's supreme authority over everything will be established and never threatened again so that God may be all and in all. Do you get all that? Um, let me ask you this too. Um, do you believe all that? Especially that part about all the enemies being put at his, at his feet. What do you mean? I mean, look around us. What do we got? Well, we got cultural madness, societal chaos, political liars. And yet, as I told you, Paul functioning as a prophet here sees the day coming when all of those enemies will be subdued. Hmm. So, when that day arrives, will you be subdued? Or have you already yielded? Am I an enemy now awaiting to be conquered? Or have I already yielded to the one who died in my place? Now, guys, all of that is wrapped up in this issue of first fruits. But you understand, you see in the text, it says, verse 23, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Those who belong to Christ, what? Well, they'll be the second fruits. They'll be the ones that resurrect after him. Now, that's in here, too. Now, one other thing, and I'll quit. 
There's something else in here that really grabbed my attention. I don't know as I read it, did it grab yours, but it did mine. And so I want to address this. He says um, in verse 24, then comes the end. Um, okay. What will happen at the end? Um, what kinds of things occur at this end? I found four in the text that I want to mention to you, not necessarily in the order that they're found in the text, but four things, four things that will occur at the end. Number one, his people rise at his coming. Folks, if I die tomorrow, I don't get a new body. In fact, this ugly thing gets even uglier. And I go into an intermediate state awaiting this. And at the end, then his people, some come with him, others rise out of graves, and there we get this, or then we get this new body. The first coming of Christ, we have redemption. The second coming of Christ, we have resurrection. Graves will be emptied. All graves, according to John 5. There's a general resurrection of the good and the evil. That's one of the things that happens at the end. Here's the second. All the enemies, all the opposition, all of this opposition to the message of Christ, all of that gets swallowed up in the universal victory of Christ, the, the, the conquest of evil. All governments, all philosophies, all opponents will all be conquered. And Christ will reign unchallenged. And by the way, for the Christian, if you're a Christian, he already reigns. That is, he's our boss. He's the one that gives us the right definitions or permissions or not permission. He's already reigning in the life of the Christian. He gives the commands. We obey the commands. But at the end, all of his enemies will be subdued. 
and conquered and destroyed. That's the word that's used in the text, destroyed. Do you sit here this morning as someone who is an enemy? You will not like the end. Here's the third thing. The last enemy is also destroyed, and that is mentioned as death, you see. The last enemy is death. Death is an intruder. It's an alien. It was not on God's original guest list. Sin let it in. But I think one of the reasons that we fear death so is because we, our consciences tell us that death has something to do with sin. It does. But that destroyer will be destroyed. The specter of death is finally removed. You know, guys, it's hard to imagine a life where this specter of death doesn't hover over it. But that's what the text is telling you is going to happen at the end. And then here's the fourth thing. Um, uh, then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every thought. That's the same thing that is said in verse 28, folks. The son will take all that's been conquered he will bring his bride without spot or wrinkle. That would be you. And he presents them to the Father as a mission that is accomplished. The plan that the Father had in sending his Son has been performed and completed. And it will be presented to the Father so that he may be all in all. And then I might add, this is not in the text, that is the point at which this thing called the new heavens and the new earth begins. Now tell me, is this a doozy or not? I mean, did you know that your Bible taught that? All of that in one paragraph? I only had two points, folks. First fruits, and then what happens at the end. But that's a mouthful. We didn't even get to that federal headship stuff. And all of that is found in 10 verses. But gang, I hope you feel adequately and accurately informed. But that ain't the issue. It is necessary that you be accurately informed. And if we can for the moment assume that that is true, then you tell me what you're going to do with this information that I just gave you that is accurate. What are you going to do with that?
Thank you, Dr. Young. That was really interesting. I appreciate you giving me a time to make my grocery list. Um, you can discard it. You can reject it and get back to the life of gold setting and bill paying and fund searching. But if this is true, And some of us believe it is. You're going to miss out on this. And you will be destroyed. That's what's in here. You can dismiss it all. Or if you haven't yet already yielded to the Savior, you can yield to Him now. And then to you, all of this that happens at the end will include you and it will be your eternal Felicity and bliss. What we have between now and then is this. The word that God gave us on which we wait for these promises to come true. Our Father, I thank you for this portion of your word. I pray that you will use it to help define for your people what, is, what awaits them, but that you will also use it to um, arouse those who slumber spiritually, those who are indifferent spiritually, and thinking that this life is the one for which they must prepare. Oh God, show them that there's a whole other one in the offing. When, I know not. But some of the things that will happen we do know because you just told us. Father, use the Christian church to uphold these truths so that the world can have a choice, a nice choice between this which is so sane and rational and the other option that leads them into chaos, to insanity. Holy Spirit of God, would you make Jesus Christ very real and beautiful? to the unbelieving heart even now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.